Welcome back to day two PMG College Football Podcast at San Jose. We're at the Marriott, high above a gloomy scene. <laughs> gloomy, rainy. Gloomy, rainy. Uh, Sunny California. This is Chris Dufresne, here with Mark Blouchin and Tony Barnhart. And not here is Herb Gould, who's back in the good weather, I guess. I don't know what it is in Chicago today. Anyway, we will proceed. We had a very good podcast yesterday, I thought. First, we'll uh, welcome in and congratulate our sponsor, APBA, AppaGames.com. I have this memorized. <laughs> I usually have this written, but I write the unchallenged game of quality sports something. <laughs> Strategic <laughs> games. <laughs> no, John, John uh, and the AppaGames.com. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for the new cards. I'm, I'm, as soon as the season's over, I want the 2018 cards so I can recreate certain aspects. Now, remember, we talked about this yesterday. And what was the score? They had played the game out. 55-31. Alabama. 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 Now, does Appa, um you would know this as a baseball player, but what do, you, do you consider conditions of the field? Now, if you're when you're playing a baseball game, and Fenway Park, and they just took off the tarp. Wouldn't that impact I, I, the, uh, who you're going to play? This, this, how you're gonna... this shows you how involved it is. When you roll the dice, 23, when you roll the dice at APA, is a rare, it's called a rare play, and you have stuff like ejections, um, oh. all sorts of injuries. I'm not sure they have rainouts in, in built in. I, I, I haven't remembered that, but there's, there is a, play, a place on, on, on the game chart for unusual plays, including ejections and, and injuries where he's missing four or five games. Yeah, well, this will be a fact. I mean, Levi's Stadium is a fairly, fairly, it's a really new stadium, NFL stadium, home to the San Francisco 49ers. But they've had issues here with, when it's sunny, they have issues here with glare. Mm-hmm. A lot of people com- complain about that. That won't be a problem. That's not going to be a problem. <laughs> but the field is... Slippery by nature. I mean, a lot of the does that a good drainage system? A new field? I don't know what it is. It's, okay. it's going to be a brand new field, but I'm just I'm just wondering how that's going to factor into it. Um, and we'll get into why this game is even here at all, <laughs> which will be a subject to, of tomorrow's story. Let's talk. We had a busy day. We're posting stuff left and right at TMG. We'll start with Tony Barnhart's story, semi-exclusive or spraining news, as Dan Patrick calls it, <laughs> uh, about sort of the fate of the college football playoff. We've talked a lot about it, written a lot about it. We had a point-counterpoint uh, yesterday about the merits of the 14 versus the 18. And we got a very good response on that. We did. <laughs> That's good. And But, but Tony, you have uh, more news for us, having spoken with a lot of the commissioners and, and Bill Hancock about is this going to actually happen. Well, you know, before we got here, we talked to several people. Uh, about the playoff, everybody needs to know that the the commissioners who make up the college football playoff committee. There's five power five commissioners, five five group of five commissioners. Athletic director Jack Swarbrick of Notre Dame. They make up the committee. They meet every year several times, but one of the meetings is the morning of the national championship game. And so, with everything that went on during the season about the arguments we had about an 18 playoff and why this four team is not working and on and this is the first chance they've all come together uh, to talk about this sort of thing. Based on what they're telling us, 
Uh, you know, we, we, we met with John Swaffer, the uh, ACC commissioner. We met with Greg Sankey. Uh, obviously, Bill Hancock is here. And they're telling us they may talk about it, but they'll t- probably talk about talking about it. In other words, we're not going to decide anything. We just agree that we'll talk more about it. Because John, John Swafford said when I, when I was talking to him, he said, I, I don't see it. Now, understand yeah. that commissioners are not on Twitter. They're not in the middle of all this. So I think tomorrow, when they meet on Monday, uh, if they say anything at all, which Hancock will probably say something, they'll say, you know, we looked at it. We'll keep talking about it, and we'll keep monitoring. But, you know, guys, we're good. Thanks. But the perception is, is somehow it got out there that in the 12-year contract, there was a clause in the contract that allowed look-ins or changes in the middle of the contract, which they had in the BCS contract. They had yeah. several called look-in clauses. We talked to Hancock today, and he says that's a misconception. He says it's an ironclad 12-year contract. There's no look-in clauses. But, as we talked to a lot of people, is they'll do whatever they want to do if right. they have any consensus. It doesn't matter what's in the contract. But they purposely set the contract up that way, because you guys will remember that during the BCS, something would happen, They didn't, and they were changing the thing every year. Yeah. They were changing the formula and tweaking. So I remember Hancock telling us at the time, there's a reason we did a 12-year contract. We don't want to be coming back to this thing every year and making changes. So. Well, sometimes your hand is forced, usually by controversy that cannot be repaired or outrage that cannot be stemmed. Um, but it sounds to me, how much of this is just getting the heat off off their back. I mean, by saying this, they can just deflect and defer and, and get people or stop people from talking about it. Right. Even though they'll go, might go right back to talking about it when we all leave here. Yeah. My my sense. I think I think part of that is true. I think another part is is that look, when the season is over, people are going to move on. Right. And then when we get to next season, it will absolutely come back again. We'll talk about it a lot and. When somebody, when number five gets left out next year, we'll talk about it some more. So, well, one of the reasons we like Jersey guy is that you're a man of uh, absolutes. Yes, things are absolutely terrible, absolutely great, usually absolutely terrible. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutes is right. But in your Jersey way, I mean, you are adamant that the change is coming, the A team is coming. You've written that. Right. If Jim Delaney wants it, it's going right. to happen. And uh, you, I still believe that. You, are, are you here to issue an apology? No, I'm not, because I'm not wrong yet. Am I wrong? <laughs> no. I'm not, no, no, but he, I'm not he, wrong he yet. He is right. One of the rare things he got right in, in, in our... Uh, <laughs> And our thing was that if Jim Delaney wants it to happen, it'll it's happen. It's going to happen. But, but Jim, I, I maintain that Jim Delaney, this is, when you're dealing with Jim Delaney, you got to understand it's, it's all about a smokescreen. He smokescreen, he right. does things and smokescreen you so you don't know exactly what he's working on. What he's working on is he's, work, he's, he's working the selection committee like Mike Krzyzewski works basketball referees, okay? <laughs> that, it's not about this call. They've already missed this call. He's getting ready for the next call. And, and let me remind both of you who were there when it happened. I, I think it was, I think it was in, in Newport Beach when this fourteen playoff was being discussed. And Mr. Bill Hancock said his sense was there was no movement at all to go to no 14. way zero no movement. How. And that was two thousand ten. <laughs> and four years later, it was in place. Hey, the the, so, the big meeting, guys. The big meeting is not tomorrow, Monday. That's no, not no, the big meeting. Do it here. The the big meeting will be in the spring. That's when business gets done and seriously considered. So they're tomorrow. They're talking about talking. To, right. That's like 
uh, the, the Kenny Rogers song. The, what was the old uh, his first band to see my what see what condition my condition is in? Yeah, right. First edition. <laughs> the first edition. Ooh, wow, see what good. condition my condition is. In. So, all right, we'll leave that on the table. Literally, we're going to leave that on the table because that's where our our microphone is. Let's get to a little bit about tomorrow's game and. Another point counterpoint is you guys have uh, become to you know, this is kind of your format right now. But you, we are coming up with five reasons why Alabama mm-hmm. is going to win the game and five reasons why Clemson is going to win, even if you don't believe it. We're, you know, Tony, are you taking the side of uh, Alabama? Alabama. Give me if you can't remember all five of them right now. That's fine. But give me a couple reasons why you think Alabama will win the game. Number one, Tua Tagovailoa. If two, if Tua. Is healthy and can go full speed for the entire game. Alabama will win the game. If he's not, then that is the variable. That's the X factor. Uh, you know, last week he was fine. He tweaked it a little bit. And the question is, what will be against a great Clemson rush? What will be his ability to escape and make these throws? Did, did, did anyone notice any discernible? Uh, Impact of that injury in that he game, did, I didn't. He 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 didn't, but he 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 didn't limp in at media days yesterday. One wearing a boot, one into that stuff. So, but you know, it just takes one little tweak. Yeah. Somebody, you know, you step on somebody else's foot and stuff like that. So that that's the factor in the game. And then what happens then? Well, Jalen Hurts comes in, and now it gets really interesting. Right. Okay. Another reason. Nick Saban. Okay. He's pretty good. All right. Uh, He's been, think about this. This is his sixth national championship game. Actually, his seventh. Mm -hmm. Uh, His seventh national championship game in the last 10 years. He's five and one in the previous six. He's used to this stage and has been good about pushing the right buttons in high stakes games like this. Remember the onside kick against Clemson? Brilliant. uh, When we were out there in Phoenix. So I think that that is. I mean, Dabo's a really good coach, but Saban just has a way in these kind of big games. You know, the Georgia SEC championship game. He managed his team through that and put them in a position uh, to make some plays and win. I think that's big. I think I think the overall defense and their ability to make uh, 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 Trevor Lawrence uncomfortable. Uh, the Quinnen Williams has become. Just almost impossible to block. I think I think that's going to be a factor, um, and I think the fact that Alabama is used to being on the stage, their players are absolutely comfortable with it. So. Yeah, Jer- you know, Jersey, we, we we can't see your facial expressions on. And I'm well, on, that the last comment, kind of, the last comment kind of got me by surprise. Used to be on the stage. Clemson, where's Clemson been playing the last few years in in, in the uh, American Athletic Conference? I mean, <laughs> no, but I, I think what Tony, I think what Tony's saying. Four, three I, of the last four national championship games have been between who? You know what? You know what Alabama is and what Nick Saban is. They're, they're, he's fearless. He's he's immune from the pressure of making the big decision in the big game, which affects everybody. He only a very few people can. Call an onside kick in that at that point of the game. The first in the first time they beat Clemson, very few people can make that quarterback switch unless you have utmost uh, confidence in your abilities and protection, equity, protection. Well, and the onside kick against Clemson, most guys don't make that call because if it doesn't work, 
you're you're an idiot for the rest of your life. So this is what fear. I mean, the ball coach Steve Spurrier is a fearless coach. Mm-hmm. When he was coaching in the USFL, the, for the Tampa Bay Bandits, a league that that I I covered a game against the Memphis Showboats, coached by Pepper Rogers. Ooh. Steve Spurrier opened with an onside kick. The game mm-hmm. recovered it, scored a touchdown, onside kicked on the, the ensuing kickoff. You know that takes a lot of huevos, and so in which Spurrier it just he has it, and then Saban has that too. And does Dabo have it? Yeah, yeah, he's getting there. It's it's always you think of this game in Alabama. It's Alabama versus Alabama light. Uh, Alabama almost Alabama. But one more, you know, if if, if Clemson wins it, <coughs> then he turns the switch. Well, there's a, there's also a transition times. Every dynasty, every great program, reaches a point where they climb and they climb and they climb. But then, as all of them, most of them do, they go start going downhill. Now, have we reached that point with Alabama? Maybe, maybe not. But Clemson is the right time at the right place to do it. I mean, we talk about about intimidation. We we all saw what Notre Dame. Came out against Alabama, and that was over before the game started. But you just see it. Alabama came out, Notre Dame came out, and the game was over. We, because Notre Dame knew it should have been on the same field. Clemson doesn't feel that way. They they show it. They play with them dead even in the last in the last two national championship games. They split with them, and we talk about defense. Well, Tony, Mister Mister College Football, Alabama's put up <laughs> nine hundred yards in, in in offense in the last two games. Clemson's given up three hundred yards against. Okay, Pittsburgh was was bad. Georgia, but Georgia, uh, you know. And uh, um, Oklahoma, but uh, Oklahoma, but, but Clemson beat Notre Dame. Jersey guy, savvy, uh, you know, fans and watchers of the game will, will know that this is, this is called compl- complementary football. This is kind of the new word in football, right. where you you play based on how you're playing or how your offense is playing. That dictates how your defense, what your strategy is. Mm-hmm. So I think. Alabama has been able to play all a different kind of way, but when they have to, as we saw last week, and they need to flip the switch, then they go back to a power running game, kill the clock, and win the game. Right. But it's interesting that we see these in history, these turning points, and potentially we're at a turning point with Dabo and, and right. mm-hmm. If you remember 2014 when Ohio State beat Alabama right in the play, in the mm-hmm. uh, semifinal, Urban Meyer beat Oregon. Urban was, you could argue, and I think I might have argued this, that Urban was right there behind Nick Saban. Urban yes. was the oh, only yeah. man who had a chance because he had three yes, titles, and right. Nick at that time only had four, right? So there was a turning point where Urban Meyer could have been the coach of his of this generation and not Nick Saban. And that, that didn't happen for whatever reasons. Well, he, um, he got, but this is a turning point. You know what happened? What? He got no. sick, he wanted to spend more time with his family, no, well, and he retired. No, no, no. This is after he was back at Ohio State. Oh, back at Ohio State. No, okay. remember they beat. Yeah, right. Okay. So he won his third title. Right. right. And oh, he, was, he was only one behind Nick at the time, and yeah, he just beat and he beat Nick in the semi. Remember those Ohio State team? This, I mean, one of, the, one of them went to Iowa and lost by thirty. One lost to Michigan State the year that Michigan State was right. in. The, remember they, they lose to Michigan yeah. State in a in a buzzer beater there, and so yeah. They, the problem with Urban Myers, he's had like one game a year for the That's last four right. or five years where they just... But after that game, when when uh, Ohio State beat Oregon to win the national title in 2014, who was the best coach in college football? Well, you he was, could have he said was, Urban Myers. It was Myers a discussion, right. Because he just beat right. Nick in the... In the right. But four years later, 
it's like the trains the trains left the station. So Dabo is kind of in that. He's, he's he's sitting there. If he wins this, guess what? You know he can he can be become the next. Well, guy. I mean, I, it's it's not quite the same, but but in in New England, there is talk right now. The Patriots is, are the best of this century, are by far the most powerful force. Right. But they're starting. But to, but this year, people say, is this the year that they go downhill? They're going to be in the playoffs next week, but but they they lose in the first game, which is they're playing at home. But but but. It's very possible. That's it. Then, then the, the whole thing is going to collapse. I don't think it's going to collapse with, with with Nick. But but there's a time when and someone else is ready to yep. step into the void. And Clemson is is the only team. Maybe Oklahoma. Maybe maybe Texas. But Clemson is definitely right there, right. ready to fill the void. And, I, and who knows that this is not the dime. Yeah, and I'll say maybe Ohio State too. Maybe Ohio yeah, maybe State. Ohio, right. But they're but they're changing they're, coaches, regime, so you don't know. Regime change. Yeah, right. that's different. No, it it, it is interesting. Uh, you, uh, of course, taking this side, you'll take any side as long as it, you're like a, uh, a mercenary. You're the like a, <laughs> a mercenary. You know, well, who are the Hessians? Who are you know the the, the guys that okay. guns for hire, right? right? So someone says to you, take a position. We don't care if it's you're for or against, but make it passionate. Right. Clem, you see, you see, Clemson's going to win. You don't really believe it, but you, Do you, you, you want wrote full it. disclosure here, folks. I mean, the guy who gave me the idea about the. About the Alabama defense being in trouble was a guy who was in this room, and it wasn't me, <laughs> and it wasn't Tony Coach Tony Barnes. I was trying know? to bol- bolster. Well, where, where'd that guy come from? I was trying to bolster your. So position. now you're attacking me for the idea. No, you're. I, you're I'm just okay. saying you will take any issue as long as somebody's going to pay you for it. If you I know, believe in it, you will fight against the. Well, he was branch. He was like Rick in Casablanca. He just you know took he, he takes the sides of the who pays him the most. So. Well, <laughs> okay, it, Louis, isn't that what you did? But that's fine. That's what you have to do. Give but, me, I, but I tried to use some logical with that. Well, you I, tried. You came up with three logical ones, and oh, then you then you okay. said, "Yeah, but yeah, bo dabo do." Well, your we're, fourth, we're, we're, your we're, we're going to read tomorrow, and they'll find out what the, the answers are. Oh, one one other thing. One other thing in Alabama's favor. If Clemson Clemson has no weaknesses in its front defensive seven, they're really good. Secondary is a little can be a little shaky against some teams. This is I've been doing this a while. This is the deepest most talented group of Alabama receivers that I've ever seen. I mean, they've always had a, you know, a Calvin Ridley or a Julio Jones, Amari Cooper. They've always had one of those superstar receivers. They go five deep in great receivers. And so I think that'll be a big part of this game. Uh, There's one big point there, and it's in a Tony Tony story today, which I think is a great point. I mean, for all the success that Nick Saban has had, $11 million a year, the national championships, there's one salient question, which Tony kind of asked today. Is Nick Saban happy with all that success? You don't see it publicly very much in the way he conducts himself. I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's, he's gotten a little bit more mellow, and he's got a little bit more sense of humor. And he tried to say, poor Sally Field, he says, I really like the media today, this weekend. He kind of said that in the right, press conference. Right. But, it, but it, with all that, is he happy? I don't, I don't know. Are guys like that happy? I, is that, Urban I, I, see, I think he, he, yeah. he is now. Yeah. Now, if you could ask this question. Many years ago, the and and he and I have had this conversation. We write about it, uh, wrote about it today. Is that the 2011 tornado in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. really changed him? Uh, he became much more introspective, much more willing to you know. When when the tornado hit, he was certainly willing to put his money out right. there. And he and he and his wife Terry built 17 Habitat for Humanity houses for people who had lost everything in the tornado. But what he did, he, he realized after talking to a lot of people that he needed to be out there in the community doing more. And so I think he is, uh, he, he's admitted that 
in, in conversations be, yeah, he, with me. He became an Alabaman. How are they? An Alabaman? Alabaman? Alabamian. Alabamian. Mm-hmm. Probably before that he was the guy from Michigan State. You know, yeah. and now he's, and then he became, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And he, yet, with all that success, I mean, and, and, and people, especially in the Northeast, the one thing they hold against him, and they'll say failure, was his NFL flame out. I mean, that's, that's, when they, I know you, I, I can see Tony's well, look right. It, it doesn't matter, but that's the one matter. criticism that's going to be out there to make him complete. Well, I mean, he, you know, Pete Carroll will always have something over Nick Saban, Jimmy and, Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, too. Barry Switzer, the only right. other guys that have done it says I did it. Right, I did it in both leagues, but that's. I, Right. I, is no, he really I, staying up right. at night that. thinking about that? No, he's not. He's but, not. He's but, not going to. He doesn't need to scratch that itch anymore. And he's, he doesn't have to. He's got it too okay. good. He's and and here, listen. When you if, and if you're right, Mark, there will come a time when the torch is going to be right. passed when, or, or when, snatched when, away. When or, is it? I don't know. But but he, but I will simply say this: Nick Nick Saban's not this past recruiting class in December, but the one before. It was the first early signing period in December. And Saban said he, he couldn't, he and his staff didn't figure it out uh, right away. Well, and so they only signed the number six recruiting class two Decembers <laughs> ago. Kirby Smart signed the number one class. And people said, oh, look out now, it's a transition. Well, this December, guess what? Kirby Smart signed the, signed the number two class in the country. Nick Saban signed the number one class in the country. So his last four recruiting classes have been one, one, Six and one. The question is, what's gonna, what is it going to take for him to walk away? He's going to walk away on top, or is he going to walk away oh, on the bottom? That's he's going to walk away on top. He's going to walk away on top because what he's going to do is he's going to leave a year too early rather than a year right. too late. And we get back to people being happy. Some of these guys can't be. I mean, is Urban Meyer happy? Urban Meyer no. seems to be very a miserable. <laughs> And part of that is he can't stand, the process kills him. The process of, 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 of what it takes to him. Now, Mike Leach doesn't seem to be too bothered. You know, Mike Leach, and this is why I can't understand. These guys are in the same professions, right? One guy, the, the sport kills him, and he can't, mm-hmm. for, eats him up on the inside. The other guy's posting Bigfoot pictures on Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> and he won 11 games this year. Now, did, has Mike Leach, Leach won a national, three national titles? No. But, you know, it's just funny how some of these guys can't stand it. They can't stand it. And, and, and the only thing that they say, and many, I think Daryl Royal was the first one, said it's, it wasn't the winning. It was the one when the winning felt just like a relief, right? Not joy, and the losing killed you. So you bring up a good point, though, dude, because the, I mean I watch Dabble pretty closely because I mean they play Boston College every every year, no matter what happens. And I watch the the evolution of Dabble Sweeney. He seems to be he seems to be enjoying every moment of the yeah. process. I mean he's he's yeah. loose, he's funny, he knows where he came from, and 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 I don't I mean you don't see the pleasure with Nick Saban. With Dabble, you see it every game. Every, yeah. You see it all the time. You see, he's enjoying almost every moment of this run. Now, he's at the, like, I, my, one of my points of my story was, was that 
Clemson can win tomorrow, and they'll have a great moment. But Alabama's still going to be the king because they got six and Nick's got six. Mm-hmm. And but but now Dabble, and Dabble pointed out, he says, we'll be at the same table. We'll be looking right in the eye, and who knows what's going to happen. We're going to be there with them, which is a great thing for us. And that's what he's got. And, but he's enjoying it, and he lets people know he's enjoying it. Nick has only done that in the last few years where, he's, where people peek in right. and see, you know, see the... But is it that extra... Whatever it is, it kills them. That makes these guys better. I know a lot of when I covered the NFL, and John Robinson was the coach of the Rams. Rivera you know, won a national title at USC. John was the embodiment of what I thought a head coach should be. Joe Gibbs in, in in Washington would sleep in his office four nights a week. John Robinson was he was uh, when I left the the building. A lot of times his car was gone. You know, after I was done, six thirty, seven o'clock at night. He'd come and he talked to us about the Civil War. Uh, Ken Burns said, "You guys watching this thing?" Go, no, no, we're actually covering your team. <laughs> but it was refreshing, and he, you know, and he was able to. Dip. He had Ernie Zampezi and Fritz. He had you well, know the pieces in place, and he could enjoy it. And I, I but he never won a soup. You know, he never did what Nick. Does Saban, that give you? Does yeah, that does give that, you the little edge you got to have? Is get there to anybody the that's really just kind of freewheeled it? That that uh, well, Spurrier did. I mean, Spurrier Spur- uh, won a national championship and six SEC championships, and yeah, should have won, won seventh. You know, and, and you know, yeah, but that one was not easy. I mean, that one he only won that. He won the one because there, uh, Ohio State went down the field on Arizona exactly, State in the Rose exactly Bowl right. won in the last second. And so, but yeah, he's. I think he's got the right attitude. And the interesting thing about it is, if you look at the lineage, we talked about Urban Meyer, we talked about Nick Saban, right? There's one connection to both of those guys, who was. It was in the GOAT category of coaches. And Belichick, he's close right. friends with and Bill Belichick. Right. And Look at both signs. Mm-hmm. And I can't see any pleasure that Bill Belichick no. has in anything. Did, I mean, did, anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. The great, the greatest of the greats. Did Vince Lombardi, you know, enjoy what he was doing? Oh, he killed, he killed himself. Yeah. So the, these are the stress. greats. So I don't so, know what the price is. As I'm saying, is there a guy... Maybe Phil Jackson. I don't, you know, Phil, but he, you know, Phil, Phil floated with Jordan and Kobe and Shaq, so he had the greatest players of all time. But the, the best guy who's had the success, I mean, Spurrier thing, but Bobby Bowden seemed to me, yeah, Bobby was was right up there. I mean, yeah, he enjoyed yeah, all of it too, and and he, and he showed it and he shared it. And guess what? He had two titles. He didn't have, right. didn't have six. Didn't and he have, played Miami. And he was just fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but some guys aren't. I mean, yeah, some guys. It, well. It, Next time we all get together to do this, I've got for you. I have for you the best Dabo Sweeney story ever. It'll take me about two or three minutes to tell it. Just I'll do that as a little tease. Should we say it? All right. Well, let's get in. Uh, huh? You want to tell? Well, our producer is saying that we uh, we have time. Well, we always listen to our producers. <laughs> Stretch it out. Stretch it out. <laughs> best Dabo Sweeney story ever. He told us. He told me and about three other reporters in Clemson before the first game with Alabama, uh, which was in uh, Arizona. Dabo Sweeney was a walk-on junior football player at Alabama, from Pelham, Alabama, just outside of Birmingham. His mother was in the middle of getting a divorce from his father, who was an alcoholic, and it was so bad. She had to move out of the house in Birmingham, and she came to Tuscaloosa and lived with him and his roommate in a small apartment in Tuscaloosa. That particular semester, he was coming back for the for the winter semester. He was living basically living off a of Pell Grant and using it to pay his tuition because he wasn't on scholarship. Right. 
he was $500 behind in his rent. He was had he had to come up with $500 to pay his tuition and he had no money. So he thought he was he had planned he told his mother we're going I got to drop out of school and we got to move back to Birmingham. In the mail uh like 2 days before class started. He got a he got a, a, a envelope from Discover Card. Remember when Discover yeah. Card? If you were a college student, they would send you a thousand dollars with a, a, a card with a thousand dollar limit, and send you a couple of little checks that you could write on it. He got that and looked at it and couldn't believe it. So he called the Discover people and says, "Is this for real?" Said, "Yeah, you can write checks up to a thousand dollars." So he wrote a check for five hundred dollars, paid his tuition. Wrote a check for five hundred dollars, caught up on his back rent, was able to go to school that fall. Today he makes seven million dollars a year, and his mother lives in a very nice house. Wow! So that goes to show you. Sometimes the things that it reminds me of briefly. We were talking about this earlier. Chris Collinsworth, who played played at Florida, uh, they did a great football life on him. And I didn't know much about him, but when we get when he goes to Florida, he's an option quarterback, very talented. Steve Spurrier comes in uh, to become the offensive coordinator, and at spring ball, Collinsworth says, "I went 0 for 11, literally with two interceptions." And St- Steve Spurrier said, "You are now a wide receiver." And he said, as mad as, so it's like, you know, these moments in your life, and Collinsworth said, that was the best thing that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. The thing that I, I was taking away what I wanted. But, you know, so, you know, the, the moral is, is that, you know, you come to these crossroads and then despair looks you in the eye and then you, yeah. you, you, turn, you, you, you turn it around and, and then you take off. So you, you never know what, what it's gonna, life's going to throw at you. Okay. We'll wrap it up. I'm gonna. We'll get to my uh, story that I posted today. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Nick Save Nick Saban's legacy as related to John Wooden, which is a tough, which is a, you know, things I never thought I'd say. But uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow in, in detail, and I think it's pretty interesting. So until then, adios.